This episode contains a variety of topics related to mental health and suicide. The themes that will be discussed might be too sensitive or might be considered a trigger to some listeners. We understand and respect the limitations the listeners might have, and we also encourage those to reach out for help. If you are in crisis, call the toll-free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, now in its entirety. A is a podcast with DJ Sabotage. Showbiz, baby. Oh, man. All right. So you got your you got your drink ready. You got your sips. I in. do. Yep. I got, I got a backup. I got a backup. I'm good to go. I, I'm good to go. We're going to get into some serious, serious-ish Love it. <laughs> Love it. But we have to. We have to. Okay, so. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. My name is DJ Sabotage, and I am here with Chris Martin, CTG Martin 10 on Twitch. How you doing? What is up, guys? Another one. We didn't uh, we, we didn't have a one and done. We're back. <laughs> And we <laughs> too many times, you know, you try to do something with somebody or get something going. You do it once, talk about how great it was, and then you spend the next two years being like, "Man, we really got to do that again." But no, we did it, man. And then somebody said, "If you do something twice, you can do it thirty more times." But you got to do it twice. You can't do it once. Hey, Chris, I am a clingy, clingy relationshipper. I would not <laughs> leave your side. I would be like, "Yeah, we going to do this." I don't. I'm in the bushes, bro. We going to do this. <laughs> Oh uh, man, I and I should you know I should have figured that, like, especially when it comes to me and you. After all these years, like yeah, it's every time we do something together, it's just so much fun. It's easy to go back to it. It doesn't feel like a job, you know. It's just like yeah, let's go have some fun for a little bit. Yeah, and and, and again, we we mentioned in the previous episode. Every job that we worked together, uh, we we just made fun. We just had fun with it. We, it it didn't feel like a job. It just felt like hey, let's just start this up and and get it moving. Laugh in the midst of it and uh call it call it a day you know i love it i love it so what are we getting into this week well this week we're gonna get a little serious um we're gonna talk about mental health we're gonna talk about uh what is really going on uh, beyond the pandemic it's getting worse now so many people who are uh committing suicide having mental health issues and don't know how to shake it uh so before we get started i want to say to those out there if you're in crisis, please call the toll-free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24-7, seven days a week, and there's always someone there that can reach out to you. And if you are too afraid to do that, please contact someone that's close to you, someone that you know, Um because sometimes a simple hello can can go a long way. Absolutely, and don't and don't. Too many people, I think, are ashamed or they feel like they're alone in this. Um, 
speaking, I, I had, I was diagnosed with anxiety almost eight years ago now. Um, and it's been, it's been a long road and I, I completely understand where people, it makes you feel like, you know, if you're a man, it makes you feel like you're less of a man. If you're a woman, I don't know how that makes you feel. I'm sure it makes you feel a certain way. Um, but it's starting to become so normalized in our society. Just realize that more and more people are realizing how large this is. So you're absolutely not alone. Um, and like Taj said, if you, if you, you need to tell someone, tell them. Um, the more people I've told about some of the things I've gone through, the more easier it made it to talk about it, which means it's when you don't talk about these things that you make bad decisions and you think that you're the, the only one that's ever gone through this. I promise you you're not. Um, it's, you know, I've known people who have taken their own lives too. And it's, it's not, you know, it, those are the people that you hurt, the ones that are left behind. So please, please, please speak up. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Talking leads to conversation, leads to answers. And that's kind of, at least for me with my anxiety, that's what always it stemmed from was not understanding what the outcome of something could be. Um, meeting someone or having someone that understands that same thing and just being able to explain to them, you know, what your triggers are, um, what things really push your condition. Um, having somebody console on that with is, is huge. So please find that person. And, and if you, if you know me or Taj personally, please call me. I'll, I'll be that person. Um, I will gladly take the time, as I'm sure Taj will, out of our day. Uh, obviously, we're, we're starting something where we just sit around and talk as it is. So, you know, we, we'll find the time to help you through it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely agree. I mean, I, I've since I started Twitch, um, I've been getting people contacting me um, through through the DMs. And I get to know some of these guys and girls and um, they kind of tell me their stories and, and when I, when I feel like something, you know, they're, they're trying to tell me something in between the lines, I make sure I reach out the next day, the next day. Hey, how you doing? How you feeling? You know, what, what game you're playing right now? You know, tell me about it. And sometimes a, a little conversation can go a long way and a, a small conversation as something that they're interested in can distract the moment you never know what that person's going through that person might be sending you a dm and thinking about committing suicide so that little conversation that you have might actually help them out um and you yeah. just never know um absolutely so to separate um i'm going to keep it on the suicide note that to separate suicide a lot of people don't uh, understand the definitions of what suicide is and and suicide attempt and suicide uh, ideas um, they just all kind of sum it up to just suicide but there are different methods um, and and different beasts of suicide so suicide is defined as a death caused by self-inflicted self-directed injuries um, and behavior an intent to die and result in death. So that is the most extreme level of, of suicide in, involving mental health. Then you have a, a suicide attempt, and that is a non-fatal, self-direct injury behavior that would attempt uh, 
of of death or lead to death. So that means someone is is in the verge of attempting and may not get to that point. Something distracted, something stopped it, something prevented, or that also leads to uh, the most seriousness of, of suicide and death. And then the suicidal ideas is thinking about it and planning suicide. So that part is, is a little lighter than the other two, but it's still as serious as the other two because that can escalate very quickly to completing uh, that mindset. So those who don't know, those are different different ideas. So when, when you see someone at a workplace and say, for example, oh, I hate my life or oh, I want to kill myself. Sometimes you might think that's just a lighthearted joke because they might be that morbid guy that likes to make jokes that way. But also remember, those things are, are I want to say symptoms, but those are things that you have to take notice of. So when someone says stuff like that, not I'm not saying to go in and be an Oprah and just like, okay, tell me about your feelings. Like, because that can easily be uh, a rejection. No, I'm not. Nope. Nope. I'm done. And then that can make it worse. What makes it easier is talk to them. Simple. Like just try your best. Just, all right. I, I hear the person say they don't like their lives, man. I see you got a fruit cup, man. Let's, you know, let me buy you another fruit cup. Let me, you know, let me get you a, a pop on me, and then that might start a conversation that way. So those out there, just educate Absolutely. yourself. Know what we're saying right now. We're, we're not therapists, and we're not scientists, but we are people. We're human. We all go through good and bad things. So research, research, research is all I can ask and reach out. Chris? Yeah, really, you want to, you know, I, uh, unfortunately, I've known uh, two people that have um, decided suicide um, was, you know, the best decision for them. And obviously, you'll never know what somebody's fully going through. Um, I, I saw a picture on Facebook the other day that said, you know, this is what suicide looks at, it looks like. And I mean, it was literally a picture of like Chester Bennington laughing and Robin Williams and countless other celebrities. I mean, you think of all that money, all the fame, all the accolades, all, you know, all the happiness and joy that I'm sure they had in their life. And they still decided that suicide was, you know, the better option. And I'm sure again, with celebrity stuff, like we could be wrong about what actually happened. There's enough conspiracy theories out there, but um, it doesn't matter what walk of life that you're from. It's, it's prevalent everywhere. So really the best thing you can do and at least in my experiences i was a bit younger but um talking about it later as i got an order about like hey you know when i i remember my you know our cousin did this you know why and everyone always seems to it, it's almost like when you they they find out the uh you know the the murderers living next door like oh they were always so nice and da, da, da. but then it seems like when with, with suicide it's almost like everyone seems to think like we should we should have saw the signs. And so just to go over some of the big signs, um, you know, that again, like Tosh said, we're not, we're not therapists. Uh, we're not licensed in any way. Uh, we're just a couple of guys that want to have real conversations about some real things. And the best we could do, obviously leading up to this is, you know, read into it a little bit, 
um, and life experiences. So I just want to throw you guys some some big signs. Like Taj said, if, if you're at work and somebody, you know, starts showing some of these signs, maybe just take an extra five or 10 minutes out of the day just to talk to them. Because a lot of the times these people feel very isolated. Uh, they're either socially withdrawn on purpose or sometimes they're socially withdrawn because maybe they're not quite normal. They're not quite right by societal standards. Um, I can tell you through all the, the, the places I've had, I've actually thoroughly gone out of my way to what I like to call like round up the misfits um, as employees and as you know, people I've worked with. <clears throat> I've seemed to always get the most out of people that kind of have more individualism to them. So sometimes that means that they don't act, you know, usually have like fit in socially with the, the larger group of people at work. Maybe they, I noticed they're sitting at lunch a lot by themselves. So I'll just ask the questions like, hey, have you know, you, you've been here working for a while. You not really gotten along with anybody yet, you know, and it's not me trying to oust them or maybe they just like to be alone, but it's just something that I have had in the past where I've had an employee that worked for me. Um, that decided that suicide was the best route for her. And it, it was the same thing that hit me was I realized, man, there were some really easy to read signs um, that if I would have even taken maybe an extra five more minutes or invited them out for a beer after work or something, maybe that could have been that one thing that they held on to. You can, you can never, can never truly know, but if you try to, if you just try a little bit, which I think, Society's really missing right now. Um, a lot of the world's about me, 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 and I, 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 and we got we got to get that. You can look for again is look for people that are isolating themselves. Um, as, again, just from researching a little bit, look for somebody that's like trying to give away stuff, or like they're trying to like say goodbye or apologize for things when it's not normally, you know, that's not normally who they are. Um, you want to really look for unusual changes in behavior. Um, a big thing, and it kind of, this kind of goes hand in hand, um, substance abuse is usually, I think I read somewhere it's over like 85% associated with um, suicides, which is a ridiculously high number. So if you know somebody that's gone through a traumatic experience, or maybe they've had a head injury, or they've changed up, you know, a different lifestyle, and all of a sudden they start using drugs or alcohol to cope with those things. And then their personality changes. You for one should try to intervene just as a friend anyway. Um, but two, that can lead to some very dark paths uh, in your head. Being intoxicated makes you have some very, very insane thoughts. And if you do it enough times, eventually your brain kind of reprograms itself to have thoughts like that. Um, so you really just, again, want to, you want to make sure that, you know, you're being there for anybody. If you start to know somebody is like emotionally just gone, like maybe somebody says something mean to them or uh, rude and it doesn't affect them, that shouldn't be a reaction. Um, you know, like a lot of times, like if, if somebody bumps into somebody at work and then the other person gets upset or mad about it and they're like, watch where you're going. That's not the person you have to watch out for. It's the person that, you know, takes a shoulder check and they just keep walking without saying anything. It's one thing to like, you know, turn a blind eye and walk away and all that things. But emotional responses are a good thing. So if you start to know someone's emotionally distanced, distancing themselves, um, again, just just talk to them. I think a lot of times, and again, not, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever helped anybody. I think nine times out of 10, you probably wouldn't know unless that person really, you know, 
comes to terms with what issues they're having and comes up to you and says, Hey, a few years ago, I was really thinking about just ending it. And when you took me outside for a cigarette or you took me out to lunch just to see how I was doing, that was a turning point for me. That, that personally hasn't happened yet. Um, but I'm hoping in some way or another, I've talked to somebody when they, maybe their, their head wasn't in the right place and I'm hoping that that turned it around. So again, if, if you notice some people saying goodbye or tying up loose ends, emotional distancing, social distancing, um, what I think what they're trying to do is in their head, remove, start removing themselves from the picture. That way it has the least amount of impact because I think we've approached suicide wrong as a society. We've, We've tried to use it as a shame thing. Um, different religions have tried to use it as a, well, if you do this, uh, you can't. It's it's the same thing like when you tell kids, don't have sex and do drugs. It, the first thing in their head is like, or what? So I think if we approach suicide for what I think it is, which is a mental illness um, that drives people to do something that they truly don't want to, that could be fixed with therapy or the right medication. Um, we got to start having those real-time conversations. It's something people don't want to talk about because it's uncomfortable. Uh, whether you've gone through it, it's hard to talk about. Whether you've been that person that's thought about it and you have shame from it, we have to stop making it a stigma. We have to start treating this like all the things that were the stigma in like the 70s and 80s. Bring it to the forefront. Have the conversations because that's how you stop it. You, you let people know it's okay to talk about things that aren't exactly comfortable because that's how you expand your mind, gain knowledge, and fix it. And I agree. I, and, and you hit the nail uh, right on when you said the, the religion and, and the lives we brought up. I mean, I remember, <clears throat> you know, a lot of black guys, black men keep saying, like, you know, therapy is wrong. Uh, you know, why are you crying? You know, crying like a little bitch. And why you worry about so much, so many things, or your girl, like all this bullying. Yeah. And, and it made you, that adds trauma to a kid. And as the kid becomes a man, they don't know how to control those emotions. Uh, you know, we all have emotions. We have, you know, we can be happy, we can be sad, but then there's moments where things trigger. Things trigger something inside of us that we can't understand. And those emotions happen. We don't know how to, to control that or hinder it. So I agree. I, I think now it is a time to talk and, and be expressive to those who, who are sensitive, who are having issues. Um, and that's why we're having this podcast today. So the next segment, I want to turn and ask you, um, tell me about your anxiety life, uh, how you realized there was something going on, um, and how you turn that around or, and how you are today. For sure. For sure. And I, and I honestly, like, I appreciate the time to talk about it because of all the, you know, other was short of my wife and like very, you know, close personal friends, um, nobody does that. Nobody goes out of their way to be like, tell me about your journey. Tell me about your struggles, how you're coping, and how you are. And that right there, like, I was, I don't want to say I was excited for this week's podcast because 
it 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 was a very it's going to be a very serious one you know we don't just you know last week was so great talking about this music and we said we were going to talk about wrestling and like these are all just fun things but it's this was a good thing too because it's almost like a little therapy sesh so um yes again seven eight years ago i just moved into management um i was working a second shift position i had just uh moved into a new house i had just uh had a child and i had just uh was on the verge of getting married uh and on top of that i took over a position uh managing 92 employees working on a shift opposite of my wife and my child so by the time you know uh, they got home and uh, if the kid wasn't napping i was just leaving for work and by the time i came home from work they were both in bed so i was going through very long stretches of not being able to see my family at the time and there was uh, 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 one one meeting we did at the start of every shift um and it involved all the other managers and it was a lot of like reviewing what we did the night before and unfortunately the place i worked at was it was it was a very good place to learn my career path but the reason it was so good is because it was so hard it was very demanding uh, you know, we were sometimes working 12 hour days, seven days a week. And then on top of that, you start your day off by standing in a circle with 20 other people where they all tell you everything you did wrong the day before without even asking you what happened or led to it. They'd made their own conclusions when they came in in the morning. And like, it was just very, very stressful. And it was just one day I, the meeting was just getting started and it was coming around to me it was literally going down a line and about three people before me i started to feel extremely lightheaded and felt like i was going to pass out and so i just said excuse me i'll be back i'm going to use the restroom real quick and in the bathroom i mean now mind you, this is a factory it's not like you know you can eat off the floors but i was down on my knees in a stall because i couldn't catch my breath um i remember i was so sweaty my shirt was like soaked um and I was dry heaving, like I and I couldn't figure it out. I was in there long enough that the meeting had actually ended. Wow. Um, yeah, it was very, very bad. And so uh, I think it was, yeah, it was one of my leads. Uh, he could kind of, he noticed my shoes. At the time, I had a very kind of distinct steel toe tennis shoes. And he could hear me kind of trying to catch my breath. And so he... Uh, you know, kudos to him. He kind of started knocking on the door. I, I opened it and he came in. He helped me sit up and he's just like, what, what do we do? And he wanted to like call another manager and I asked him just to stop. And um, we sat for a minute and he just sat there with me and he's like, hey, everything's good, bud. Everything's fine. And I was like, the only thing I was focused on was that, that meeting. Like, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Um, and then all of a sudden I started noticing after that, anytime there was a collection or a group of people, um, I would start to sweat very badly, get shaky, feel dizzy. I would feel like I couldn't feel my legs. And, you know, as a career, like that's my job. Like as a, as a manager, I have to be able to work in group, large groups of people. And so luckily we had a, um, an onsite doctor that we could visit. Um, and I find like, I, I'll avoid the doctor unless the bone's coming out of my body. It's like, yeah, put it back in. Uh, I've just never been a fan of doctors. I didn't, it just, it's more of a fear thing than anything. But uh, I finally just set up a meeting and I was like, you know, in my head, uh, just the old school mentality is 
oh, well, it's got to be like uh, blood pressure or I got cancer. You know, it's, I, I guess I'm old enough now that, you know, I didn't even really know about mental health a whole lot at this point. Um, me again, being in my, you know, mid twenties, uh, you think, you know, everything, but, um, yeah. So I went with him, explained what happened. He ran some tests. Uh, he did, uh, a lot of, a lot of heart stuff. Cause that was my biggest fear is like, I'm on the verge of having a heart attack. Um, is it a blood pressure thing? You know, what is it? And so we, we went through the stress tests. We did all that stuff. And then, um, he actually just sat and talked to me for like an hour and had me fill out this whole survey thing. And then at the end of it, he goes, I believe that you have, um, Oh, what was the official name for it? Um, not high functioning anxiety, but essentially it's, uh, social anxiety. Sorry. That's what it was. Um, I, you know, now knowing more about it, I just struggle, um, being in front of large groups of people feeling like all the eyes are on me. Um, essentially what it is is how I'm wired is, um, I'm so afraid of making a mistake in front of a bunch of people that my body will essentially try to shut itself down. That way I don't have to be in front of them. And for anybody that knows me knows that I am always been like the guy that likes to be the center of attention. Right. Uh, I've always been very egotistical um and it just so to hear something like wait you're telling me chris martin doesn't want to be the center of attention <laughs> some people are like you lying you're just lying <laughs> um but that that you know it all changed and that was the same thing as i i told him i was like I, i've been a musician since i was 12 years old i used to get up in front of hundreds sometimes thousands of people and play shows and it was never a thing at all. And he goes, well, how long ago was that? And I was like, until I was about 22. And I was like, I DJed weddings. I was a bartender, like surrounded by people. And he's like, yeah, but you were in control of all of those situations. Every single one of them situations, it was people expecting something from you that you could control how they take it, this and that. And he goes in a situation where like, you know, it's, in a meeting where people are going to, you know, it's not, you're, you're not controlling it. You're the one that has to respond to it. He goes, you can have different, he asked me, he's like, have you ever had anything else like this happen? And I did in a wedding. Um, I was in a wedding where I didn't have to give like a speech. I didn't have to, you know, do anything. I just had to stand up there and about three quarters of the way through it. I started to, I, I call it go. Uh, all of a sudden legs got weak and um, my, my good buddy, he, he had known, some of the stuff that I was going through, it was actually, uh, weddings seemed to be my crutch. I've, I've passed out in two of them, but, um, he just kind of helped me off to the back and I just, I had myself a nice little panic attack there and luckily no one even noticed. We had so many of the, uh, groom or the, um, bridesmaids and groomsmen going off to sing songs and move pictures. He like, it was a very active wedding. So people thought I was just going to the back to get something, I guess. No one even really noticed. But um, so, yeah, that's when um, the doctor actually prescribed me uh, Xanax, uh, got me on a daily um, medication. Um, but the biggest thing that I found out from him was that I was self-coping with alcohol. Um, and that was the biggest thing we asked. I was like, you know, five years ago, I played a show at a local bar. There was 500 people there. I walked through, no problem. He's like, were you drinking? I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay. So you were, you know, um, 
self-medicating essentially. And it was no different in this situation. When I would get home at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and, you know, the kids asleep and the wife's asleep, I don't have to work till three the next day. Well, what better to do than sit around and drink beer and play video games. Right. Um, and I became very codependent on that. I mean, I would have at the time easily considered myself, you know, an alcoholic. And so that was how I was coping with it pre-medication. Um, and it took, you know, not just self-improvement to get better of understanding like, Hey, you probably have a drinking problem and you definitely have a mental health problem. And the two together are not a good combination. Um, and so, you know, I still drink alcohol today, but what I would do is I would get off of work of a 12 hour shift, begin drinking the second I walked in the door. And whenever I passed out, it was when I passed out. And whenever I woke up, it was time to go back to work. That was an extremely dangerous few years for me that I didn't realize was so bad. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here today and tell you I'm completely sober and I have no mental health issues still. No, I still, you know, have occasional drinks. But what I did do is start to realize and recognize, you know, how much I was drinking and it now when and where I should be drinking. So, you know, um, and again, getting on the right medication for quite a few years helped me understand that was I didn't come home and automatically feel anxious from work or anything else. I can come home now. And especially as my kids have gotten older, it's like, you know what, from the time I get home until this amount of time, it's kids, whether that's homework, whether that's playing, whether that's, you know, cleaning up some toys, you know, whatever it is, this is kid time. And then from this time to this time is, do I want to work on the house? Do I have any projects? Is, do I want to cook dinner? It's, you know, giving myself gaps. And then I can give myself such a small window um, from the time that I need to go to bed to the time that I get home that I go, okay, if I want to have a beer or two in that window, we can do that. Um, but I would have never had that clarity in my head six, seven years ago to um, do that. I was so, uh, again, this is right at the beginning of having a child. I was so self-absorbed um, with myself. I just thought nothing could ever hurt me and nothing, every, everything that I was doing was perfectly fine. And I would say that that was the hardest part was um, the, the bad effects and the bad things that came from me drinking, I was able to justify in my head all the time as most alcoholics do. And once I actually got on medication and then started realizing I didn't need to cope in any other kind of ways that I had the right medication to get me through it, I did that for a very, very long time. Um, and I would say, and, I, and again, I left that place of employment about four and a half, almost five years ago now. And I started realizing, um, because the medication I was on was a step-down medication, and uh, Xanax is a very highly addictive drug. And it's not one that any doctor is going to want to put somebody on long term. And because, again, most of the time in mental health comes addiction issues. Um, it's just how we're wired. I mean, um, I would say, you know, um, my family history, uh, addiction is very, very high, uh, extremely high, actually. And so understanding that I was completely okay with a step-down program and it was very difficult. Um, but yeah, leaving the employer that I was at changing scenery, I then bought a house. I wasn't renting anymore. I was building up towards something better. Um, I was actually able to work myself off of medication and I'm about with, again, with the help of my doctor, this wasn't just one of those things where I said, 
eh, I'm good on taking meds now. I'll, I'll be fine. Um, no, working with uh, my doctor, we were able to, yeah, essentially work me off of them. Um, believe it or not, uh, at the beginning of my journey uh, through anxiety, I had somebody tell me when I was explaining just what I was going through and what this new doctor was telling me I had going on. He's like, oh, I'll send you some stuff on some breathing exercises. And I wanted to punch him in the mouth. <laughs> like, I was like, you think this is as easy as like breathe better? And it's funny though, because as I did my research over the years, that was literally the number one thing was a breathing meditation uh, exercise that I still use to this day. So I actually had to apologize to that person because I was like, hey, you remember about five years ago? <laughs> But um, yeah, I'd say about two and a, two two and a half years ago, um, I took my last Xanax. I was on a daily for about another three months, um, and that was it. I just I won't say I'm cured. I definitely have you know I think they call them flare ups, um, but I can now essentially uh, self self control my panic attacks. Um, and again, the ones I was having uh, pre-medication were actually like debilitating. I mean, I, I would lose functionality in my body. They were so bad. And people experience different panic attacks. And I, I think that needs to be um, something that people need to understand too. It's not always sitting in the corner, rocking back and forth, unable to breathe. That just happened to be one that I ran into. And world two is we have to understand every body, every single person is a completely different chaotic makeup of intestines and neurons and cells and everything else. So there is no black and white cut and dry answer. Every single person's journey needs to be um, understood. And everyone has to be a little bit selfish in saying that I have to get myself right first before I can help other people. So that's the biggest takeaway I want everyone to take is don't be afraid to take care of you and don't let anybody tell you that what you're doing is wrong. Okay. Um, now there are some things that are universally wrong. Like when I was on anxiety medication, I was also still drinking alcohol. That is a very, very dangerous combination. Um, as a person who's a very experienced drinker, I, you know, I've always said, I know my levels. I know what I can do. I can do this. I, the, the the way that I used to be able to go out for, you know, whether it's a three hour period or a five hour period, I go, okay, I know I can drink about this much and not be too messed up. The second I introduced Xanax into that combination, uh, that's a little thing people do called crossfading. It is not good. Okay. And there's nothing good about it. I, I did it once and that was enough for me to not do it again. It was like, okay, if I feel like I'm having a bad day mentally, or if I have to be sharp and make sure that my anxiety levels are low. Today's just the day that we're not going to drink. And again, it came from balance and experience. And again, it's okay to have those experiences and it's okay to not be perfect because what you don't want to do is set the bar so high for yourself that you, if you give yourself the chance to fail and you do it, it's easy to stop trying because you go, okay, I did it. I couldn't do it. So I'm gonna go back to doing what I was doing before because at least that I know I can get through. no it's okay to fail you you gotta fail you you can't learn if you don't fail so again if you if you start your journey on dealing with it whatever it is anxiety bipolar disorder clinical depression whatever it is that you have going on in life just be okay and i know it, it, it 
unless you have it, you don't even understand how much of a jerk answer that is. But you have to find a way to get yourself to being okay with failing. Um, and again, that is a bigger thing that I've learned from a lot of like sober living places. Um, I've again, not, I don't want anybody to think I'm a raging alcoholic. I've never been in a sober living house or anything like that. I've had a lot of friends go through rehab programs. Um, I have done my own self-research again, trying to identify my own problems, um, understanding how big my problems are, if I needed outside help for it. And, and again, it took me getting older to now pretty much. I mean, in the last two years, I, I, I had to stop caring what people thought about me. Um, five years ago, I could have never sat here on, you know, having this conversation with Taj, um, knowing it was going to go out to people that may know me and because how my brain works, they'd be like, Oh, Chris Martin, isn't the egotistical Mr. Know-it-all Mr. Badass thinks that he is the, Oh, look at this. He's got mental problems. Oh, he's got a drinking problem. But like, I had to get to a point where I realized like other people's opinions don't matter. And the second that I got to that point is where I realized that was what was driving my anxiety in the first place. So it's like that crazy endless cycle, right? Um, I'm sure people have seen it where it's like, you know, uh, wake up feeling like crap. All right, tell yourself you're going to bed early tonight. Go do the things you normally do. Stay up late playing video games. Wake up feeling like crap. And then it's like, if you keep yourself on an endless cycle and don't change anything, you're not going to change the outcome. That's literally the definition of uh, uh, not chaos. But yeah, then, um, oh, What's the old saying? It's not chaos. Um, insanity. There we go. The definition of insanity is literally trying to repeat the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So don't drive yourself, you know, don't drive yourself crazy. Try different things. And again, it's not day one. It took, you know, I, I went on six, I, I went to six different medications because of the side effects of what they caused before I finally found one that I was able to stick with that you know didn't affect me in any other ways um didn't put crazy thoughts in my head because again that is something that will happen be open talk about it do not be ashamed realize you are not alone and i promise you you can get yourself on the right path so that's kind of where i'm at um how about you taj you going through anything like this well first off thank you for being so open with me and everyone else because that is big that is major and especially for you um so i thank you and i appreciate you and i hear you and man it that's that's crazy because yeah i you know even though i i consider you one of my best friends i thought you were egotistical as hell like <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am. I am. And in case you didn't hear, I mastered anxiety. So, <laughs> no, and it, and it really is true. Um, that's that's that that is a complete character trait that, you know, um, I own. I own completely. I I deal with it at work. Uh, you know, as we get newer people in or different people, that's the first thing people tell people is like, Chris is egotistical as hell, and he's full of himself. And then when I meet people, they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that, you know, you're kind of, you got an ego. And I always tell people, like, listen, the only difference between cocky and confident is I'm cocky enough to be confident in what I'm talking about. And it's how my brain works. I am so afraid of failing and people know that I'm failing. I can't be wrong about a, a something or 
if there's a task that's like, uh, no one's going to be able to do this in this amount of time, I'm physically wired to be like, I have to prove them wrong. And that's literally, again, at, at 35 years old, it, it took me back to being, you know, 14, 15 years old when like I had to be done with the project in school before somebody else, or I had to learn to play a guitar riff that people are like, oh, that's too hard to figure out. That's where the arrogance comes from is that I invest in myself because I can't physically not do it. If, if it's something about learning how to fix something or, you know, the hardest thing right now is with kids is like, yeah, they're my kids, but I can't control them. And so it's really hard for me to, you know, anything I usually put my hand into the outcome is usually good. You know, just like what we did back in the day with um, our open mic nights and any of the DJ nights that we had or any of the theme nights, we put in the work. We invested in flyers. We did word of mouth around town. We, you know, we went all in to make sure the things that we were involved in uh, came out great. And I've had so many successes in my life that I'm not used to failing. So when I do fail, I fail very, very hard. Um, it, it eats me alive, actually. And so, again, that's where it's hard with kids, because to me, like I look at them like they're my kids, but they're also on their own journey. So whenever my daughter, you know, messes up in school or gets in trouble or has an attitude, I look at it like, you know, it's, it's like my creation, but I have to remind myself, like, she's not one of my projects. She's not one of those things that is going to be perfect all the time. Like I put the pressure on myself to be. Um, so, and that's, you know, that's again, a growing thing. It's, it's one of the reasons I'm glad I waited until I was a little bit older to have children. Because I don't believe that I had the mental maturity um, to have kids in my in my mid twenties, and hell, sure, not in my early twenties. So, but no, I I don't shy away from being called egotistical or cocky or anything because it keeps me true. If you know, and people never look at it this way until I explain it to them. People always want to see the guy that's cocky fail, right. right? You can't you you chew on it. You you're just like. Oh, I can't wait for him to take that L, right? Right. That's what drives me to do better and better every day. Is that I know in my head there's 30 people just waiting to see me fail. And so if I keep up that arrogance, I have to show up. And I need that personal responsibility. So again, and this is gonna sound egotistical, I found a way to make ego work better for me. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's a that's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Write that down. Make it a note. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like I said, it just these are my truths, you know. Um, and it took a very, very long time to admit them. You know, even when I started realizing, like, oh man, I've always kind of been an egotistical, you know, or cocky or however you want to put it. I was like, I've always been that guy that shouldn't really be, I should be a little more humble. And I, and I tried that for a little bit and I just realized that like, that's not who I am in my heart of hearts that I am not the kind of person now am I, you know, am I appreciative of things? Yes. And do, you know, have I, have I taken some L's and it humbled me up? Absolutely. But I realized that I hold myself more accountable than anybody else can when I think that somebody's going to see me fail. And that's led to a lot of success in my life. And I don't regret a single minute of it. Um, not even a little bit and unapologetically, you know, you know, and I'm sure there's been people I've ticked off and people have just not liked me personally and that's okay. 
because I think the people that do know me do know that I'm a genuinely good guy. I just also think I'm the shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and that's one thing when I started DJing, uh, I I told a very small few people. Every person should say I am the shit in what I do. Yes. Right? Because no one can take that credibility away from you. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to be an artist and you fail and you fail, just say that you are the shit at what you do. Yeah. Because no one can't copy you. You are the only one. There is no Michael Jackson. It isn't another Chris Brown. It isn't another uh, uh, Al Green, Chris Cornell, uh, Chester Bennington. And there, there isn't another. They're the shit at what they do. So if they're mad at you for what you're doing, that means something <laughs> is working. Yeah. <laughs> for is. you, something is working. It is, yeah. Because now they have to find out what works for them. And then what's, what's, the prob- what's problematic with haters is they cannot find what is working for them. So yeah. their default is hating. And that makes them prosper. Yeah, it's really gross. I've I've never, you know, I've had I've had friends, obviously, like I've been a musician for a long time, and you know, they've uh they've asked me to come out and like listen to the band they're starting or something like that. And I've also I decided a long time ago to just, you know. Be completely honest with people like it hurts some feelings but if i go to listen to a group you know and they just they just suck right i don't tell them that like that's like that's you know and that's where i think you know i get the the bad rap of being like the the cocky asshole like i'm not going to go there and be like yeah you know i was in a band that played with some other big bands i did i'm not anything in any grand scheme of anything what i do have is an honest opinion about something and i know exactly who i am so it, it's, it's, you know, and, and this has happened. It really has where I've sat down and I'm like, listen, I, I've heard 30 other bands sound just like you guys. What are you guys going to do to be you? What's going to make people say your name? And that's what I've always thoroughly enjoyed about how you do what you do when you DJ, because I've heard a ton of DJs, you know, hell, I DJ, but I've never heard somebody that has the ear like you do. And I've told you this, you know, it, you, in the past you're you're so far ahead of where you were you know again 10 years ago i was like you're so much bigger than this bar because i had never heard people transition or collect time beats the way that you did and i just thought that that was the greatest thing in the world now again 10 years ago i've i've since heard it but you introduced me to it i was like oh just uploading some songs to an iPod and hitting play isn't DJing. This is crazy. That's how. I, that's what I did. And so your ability to connect with the crowds, find tones, read rooms, like it blew my mind at the time. And that's the thing. If it didn't, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone out of my way to just be like, hey, you can just hit play. You know. But I I go out of my way to compliment people when I hear something original because that's all the world should be. People should get more kudos for being original and failing. Than being like everyone else and succeeding that's like my only gripe with tiktok is like the trends that come out sometimes right. certain different people get popular for the same trends they're like oh I'll do this trend no i like the guy i can't remember what his name is like caruso something he has this whole 
uh, episodic brick about uh, he plays a little kid that loses his gerbil named Bartholomew Ginger Snap Chungus the Third. What? It's the greatest TikToker that I found. Like, there's a ton of good ones, but he doesn't follow da- like dance trends. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do any of that. He does uh, screen changing kind of uh, vocal scene play out. And his delivery is perfect. And that's the thing is that no one else does it. Uh, I, I ordered one of his shirts from him. He started making shirts. And it says, yeah, like RIP Bartholomew Chungus Ginger Snap. <laughs> because I love it. I love originality. And he doesn't have a ton of followers. He doesn't, you know, he's not Bella Porch. He's not getting invites on Conan or anything. But the cool thing about that app is it connects people from all over the world to he found a guy in Ohio that liked his uh, comedy so much, bought a hoodie from him. And, and you know what? If he comes up with more content and he has more things to buy, I'll probably purchase more. I thoroughly enjoy everything he does. I believe his name is Andrew uh, Caruso. If you if you get a chance to look him up on Snapchat, do it. Uh, look for the, the Temi Stagas. He plays... Uh, he plays a paladin from the 14th century that inhi- inhi- inhibits the body of a 10-year-old boy, I believe. It's hilarious. Um, but that's the thing. He he just chose to do that. He he saw everyone doing the um, uh, the Iggy Azalea songs, the the rap dances. He saw all of this. Like you know, last year when TikTok really took off, two years ago now, I guess started COVID. He saw everybody doing this. He goes, nope, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play a bunch of different characters, and I'm going to play a 10-year-old boy possessed by a 14th century knight. <laughs> and you, you, just, you just know he didn't have a single friend that was like, yeah, Andrew, yeah. <laughs> like He didn't have a hype guy that was like, you're going to crush it. <laughs> nope. But he, he doubled down on himself. And, again, it took some time. I'm sure he's got thousands of followers. But he at least got one guy in Ohio to buy a sweater from me. So you never know the impact you're going to have on who and where. And again, the world's getting smaller. There's so much more, you know, connection. And, you know, again, when it comes to things like mental health and suicide, I, you know, I understand 20 years ago when people say like, I feel so alone right now. What I'm trying to wrap all this back around to is you shouldn't because there's just so many opportunities to connect with people now. people have to go out of their way to not be on the grid. People have to go out of their, like, I know 60 year old people with Facebooks. Okay. When Facebook started for the younger generation, you had to have a college email. Okay. <laughs> so right. well, you're right. You're yeah. Right. When, when Mama has a Facebook account, <laughs> you can connect. Okay. You can reach out. There's, there's so many groups. I mean, you know, it's so you're, easy. you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the thing. And, and it's such a small world because we have the internet and we have social media and so many people can connect with every life that has been put onto these accounts. Um, but side note, uh, thank you all. Thank you, Chris. Like, <laughs> Actually, no, I wanted, I wanted to say thank you because I, I've never gotten to sit down. Like I said, short of my family and very, very close friends, I've never, you know, if it wasn't for you, Taj, like, you know, I don't know who all is going to listen to this. It, it could get small. It could get big. We don't know what's going to happen. But 
the idea that somebody might hear this conversation and be like, you know what I am, I'm going to go out and do something to feel better today. That's huge for me. So I want to thank you for one, you know, listening to my, my story and my journey and giving me a place to come. Like, I can't tell you how good it feels whenever I do take the time out of my day. You know, today wasn't a great day. I went out to a place that had a lot of lights and a lot of people. I had to remove myself for about five to 10 minutes outside because I could feel it coming on. I could feel myself. And that's where I don't do well is in large crowds and loud places. And, and, you know, we talked about where I was at earlier tonight and I was not in a good uh, uh, spot, even driving home. I had to just, it's 12 degrees outside. I had both windows down because I was so warm. Uh, I was sweating and I was excited to, to sit and talk because I was like, you know what? I know what we're talking about this week and I'm glad I'm having a bad day today because I can talk about it. Right. So I wanted to thank you for giving me this platform to like, sit and talk. This is, we've been talking about doing this for so long. Now that we're actually doing it, I can't tell you how good it's making me feel and how uh, looking forward to it. I am every single week. So again, thank you for letting me share and listening and, you know, taking that story on. Well, I, uh, you're welcome. And, and I'm a very private person. Um, and I'm, I'm very shy person. And that's, that's one thing that kind of separates myself from, uh, DJ sabotage to say the least because I'm very very shy and private so for me to even uh, want to do this podcast <laughs> is a lot for me like I'm staring at a screen right now and it's crazy to see it said recording because that's one thing uh, I was always sh- uh, shy about was being recorded and being on a mic so right. to do both of those things when I was starting DJing is crazy. Like it is. And and to even do it in front of crowds of people was even nerve-wracking as well. So yes, I mean I have a I have, I have a story as well. Hey guys, this is the end of episode two mental health part one. But Make sure you check out the conclusion of Mental Health Part 2, Episode 3. And make sure you follow myself, DJ Sabotage, on Instagram and Twitch. You can also follow Chris Martin on Twitch, CTGMartin10. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast and comment below. We would love to hear your feedback. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, later days.